Here's where we're going to begin. Today we jump into chapter 3, and I'm about to share with you perhaps the most important thing in this entire teaching on how we as a body are going to partner together and see, I believe, great things happen. Not because we're great, but because Jesus is great. Amen? Let's be very clear. Before we go any further talking about structure and strategy or any of those details, let's be very careful to recognize that it is only the work of God, not the plans of man, that will advance the kingdom of God. This is why we are right now beginning a season of prayer and fasting as a church. You should have a handout. One side is the sermon notes. Fill it out, by the way. And on the other side is information about what we are doing as a church because we know that it is only by God through God, and for the glory of God that anything changes in our lives or in our city. Can I get an oh yeah? So that's why we're talking about this. Some of you say, why are we dealing with all this structure stuff? It's because we believe as a family. By the way, we're a family. You know that, right? As a family, you deserve answers. And we deserve to have a common understanding of what we're doing so that, hear me now, that our daddy God gets a lot of praise and our big brother, our savior, the one who died for you because your sin is sick and horrible, but he took it on himself. He died, he removed the blame and guilt and gave you righteousness because we believe that is such good news. We want to talk about how to share that with others, right? So that's what we're going to do today. Now, one of the things that will come up when you read or when we talk about some of these details is first, why are we studying this? This seems to be so unnecessary. Aren't there more important passages? Well, I would answer that with Scripture itself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 are important verses to us as Christ followers. Those verses, the Apostle Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed means given by God, and it is useful for training, rebuking, correcting, and and equipping. And it's this idea that the word of God, all of it, he says, is so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, we don't skip over passages just because they seem to not have any value to us. If you read chapter 3, you're going to kind of go, what's the point? It's just a bunch of names and a lot of titles. I don't get it. Can we skip it and get to the good stuff? Now, it's okay if you felt that way. I skipped Leviticus many, 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 many times throughout my Bible reading because I figure, what's the point? Then, as you dig a little deeper, the good stuff begins to emerge. By the way, here's just a rule of thumb. Sometimes the best treasure is in the deepest places. It'll take some digging. And so we're going to look at a passage, not skip over it, because the treasure of God is in this passage today. And I want to give you an overview of what you read and what you saw read to you is simply this. It's simply, let's, okay, let's do this. So this was what we talked about last week. It was our ministry structure as a church at the top. Our mission is to reach the next person for Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. You say, why doesn't God simply beam us up to heaven as soon as we trust him and are baptized in him? Well, the answer is we're not here just for us, but to reach someone else for Jesus, right? That's why you're still here. Underneath that, we said that Sundays and groups are the two ways that as a church, we're going to emphasize and fulfill this ministry focus, this mission of Jesus. By the way, if you want a reference, that's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We didn't come up with it. Jesus did. And so Sundays work a certain way. Now, the one thing I did not get a chance to talk about last week were our groups. 
So we're going to talk about that today. Specifically, one of the things you're going to hear us begin saying differently is instead of calling our group life small groups, you will begin to hear us use the terms missional communities. And I'm going to show you why today. Because this is an important piece we're going to take the entire time to talk at through it from chapter 3. Now, if you watch and listen to chapter 3, this is effectively what you are listening. The people of God work together and they build the entire wall around Israel. This is the old wall. It has since been expanded, built up, and changed. But at their time, this was the wall structure. And they begin in verse 1 saying that they built the sheep gate. And then he works counterclockwise all the way around. Now, what's interesting is there's two gates, the gate of Ephraim and the prison gate, that are not mentioned in chapter 3. We don't know why for sure, but some think perhaps they were not destroyed originally, therefore they did not need to be rebuilt. It simply is assumed they are there. They're referenced in chapter 8 and chapter 12, respectively. So you have the sheep gate, fish gate, old gate, gate of Ephraim, valley gate, dung gate. Let you figure that one out on your own. Fountain gate, water gate, Nixon works there. Sorry, that's not a good joke. I'm sorry, ignore that one. Okay. Horse gate, east gate, inspection gate, prison gate. And you have these different gates. Now, if we had time, I'd, I'd kind of geek out and explain what the get different gates mean and why and all that. But we don't have time to geek out. I want to give you this simple point, though. What we see written in Scripture matters now for your lives and mine, and I want you to see how. Over the course of 52 days, the city is radically transformed by what we are about to read. If you have your notes, grab the sheet. You want to write this down. I'm going to walk you through what they say and how we will behave as a result. The city was rebuilt by, number one, notice this, smaller communities, smaller communities. The entire group served... But they did not all serve in the same place. They served in different localized places. Not only did they do that, they did so by grouping up in specific ways. So, for instance, in verse 1, we're told that Eliashib, the high priest, meaning like the priest over the priests, and his, say these two words, fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. In other words, they gathered... Because they had a common ministry. They were priests. They worked in the church, the temple. And so they gathered because of that. So there are groups that gathered because they had a common ministry. Other groups gathered not because of a common ministry, but because of a common community. Notice this in verse 2. The men of Jericho built the next section. So these are men who are originally from a common community. They know each other, so they relate well and they come together. So ministry community. The third one is they would gather based on family relationships, these smaller communities of workers. So it's the sons of Hassanah. By the way, little trick. If you're ever in a Bible class or a small group study or, or just a group of friends and you come upon a name that you don't know how to pronounce, here's the trick. Say it with confidence. Even if you're wrong, everyone else will go, oh, I, I've been saying it wrong all these years. That's okay. So just there you go. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. So these are family members working together. And then in verse 12, Shalom and his daughters built the next section. So again, it's a family unit gathering together. By the way, I love the fact that the scriptures elevate and show respect to the women. It was not common, nor was it expected for women to be acknowledged 
in the ancient world. And yet, in the record of Holy Scripture, we have references to the fact that not just a few, not just the guys with Y chromosomes, but everyone is valued and a part of it. By the way, his daughters, one little point, I, see, I want you to understand, the sons and daughters, it is not just for the adults, but it's for the next generation to be a part of the solution. Parents, one of the best things we can do as parents is to teach our children, no matter how young they are, they have a purpose and a part in the restoration of God's city. They don't need to wait until they're 20, 30, 40, 50, or until the older generation passes away to take up the torch and to build. Rather, you say, I'm serving the Lord, now you come with me. This is what discipleship is. You watch me as I do it. Now you do it. We do it together. And then I step back and you do it and I applaud you. This is what we see happening here. So they gathered in smaller communities, whether it's ministry-related, community-related, family-related, but there's other connections as well. Notice this one. They would, either, they would even gather in occupational focus. The goldsmiths got together. Let's rebuild. The merchants got together and said, let's rebuild. In other words, their co-workers, people who had similar industries circled up into smaller communities. And then finally, finally, I love this one. In fact, this one is a focus for today and this week's prayer focus. Notice this two-word focus, our house. Four different verses were told that the people of Israel, many of their groups, actually focused their attention in their neighborhood, on their block. They built up the wall surrounding their family units. Our focus this week as a church, by the way, go ahead and grab these if you will. You should have two cards on your seat. They're identical. We're giving you two because we want you to keep one and we want you to do something with the other one. I'll tell you what that is later. But each week we are focusing on a different prayer focus as a church. And this week we are intentionally praying for families and for our neighborhoods. Our families and our neighborhoods. Your family is not just those who live under your roof. Your family is anyone connected to you by blood. And your neighborhood, maybe it's an apartment, a street, a condo. These are the people we want to pray for in particular this week. And there are those who said we will gather around and focus on the area that we live. Now, the first thing you want to see is simply this. The city was rebuilt by smaller communities. Everyone did not do everything, but everyone did something. You've heard the old cliched story of the little boy who's walking along the beach after a terrible storm, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of these little starfish are scattered across, and he's going along, and he's throwing them back in one at a time, one at a time. Old Man comes up, crusty, jaded dude says, son, you know you're not going to make a difference doing all that. There's just too many. Little boy doesn't say a word. He just picks another one up, throws it in. Says, well, I made a difference for that one. God will use you to make a difference somewhere. And collectively, by his grace, maybe, just maybe, we'll see a greater difference across this city. So the first thing, the city was rebuilt by smaller communities. Number two, write this down. The city was rebuilt by smaller communities who, get this, claimed their part of the wall. They claimed it. They named it. They claimed it. They said, this is mine to build. 
Did you notice all the names throughout the chapter? Not of the people, but of the places they rebuilt. So it's the fish gate. It's the water gate. It's the horse gate. It's the tower of a hundred. It's the hero's tower. It's this section. It's that section. They were defining their ministry, their missional focus. This is the place that I will dedicate my time and my work to rebuilding. And one of the first steps for every one of us as we talk now about our missional communities is to say, what is it? Who is it? Where is it that we will emphasize our focus? Now, one of our ministers, Evan, has helped with a very easy way to figure this out. And it's with this wonderful word called a noun. How many of you know what a noun is? How many of you wish you could kind of figure out what that word is going to be talked about before you raise your hand? A noun. In English, a noun is a person, place, thing, or idea. We're not going to talk about that today, though, okay? Let's focus on those first three. A person, place, or thing. Here's what you need to know. Our missional communities, and by the way, by the way, some of you already have missional communities, and you don't even know it. I'm going to tell you about yours here in a moment, okay? And and some of you, you're in a small group right now, and you have a world-class, God-honoring, caring, small group, and we just want to applaud that. We also want to help you take a next step, and we're going to help you. By the way, we're going to need some grace over these next few months because we're going to be working together to try and do a better job of caring for you, serving our city, and worshiping Jesus. But here's what you need to know. Notice this. So Eliashib, they chose the sheep gate. You can read through the rest of those, but notice this. Every group, every missional community needs to identify their noun, their noun, your noun. If you're in a missional community, a small group, If you want to start a missional community, if you're thinking about joining a missional community, the first thing is you have to say, what is our noun, our person, place, or thing? In other words, who do you know? Where do you go? What do you like to do? Who do you know? Where do you go? What do you like to do? Who do you know that needs Jesus Christ? Where do you go that Jesus needs to be the centerpiece of that place? What do you like to do? that you would love to bring Jesus into that place. So, for instance, who do you know? Some of you know friends who need Jesus, or you know a type of person that needs Jesus. Let me give you an example. Some of you, because of your life stage, have connections with other young parents, or you're in school going to university, and you have a connection to the people in, uh, in that same life stage, and God is saying, your role, your job, I want you to be a light bringer in your place in this school, and not just with all of them, but with this particular group. Maybe it's the freshman class you're joining. Maybe it's the senior class that's looking for work after school, but it's a person. Place, where do you go? And it's not just where you go. Perhaps it is your neighborhood. Perhaps it is the grocery store. I love one community group I know of, not here, but in another city. You want to know what their missional community place is? This is a cool thing. Ready? It's the grocery store. You go, how is that a missional community? Very simply, they get together, they pray, they share scripture, they encourage one another, and then they go out to grocery stores in a certain area because there's a bunch of them where they live, and they simply walk the aisles and they offer to pray with people. I'll have you know, over the past three years, one couple has helped see 73 people come to faith because of that. Just go and say, can I pray with you? 
Now, here's my point. It could be a place. Third thing, it could be a thing. Uh, some of you, quick question, how many of you go to the gym? Anyone here go to the... How many of you have a gym membership? Let's just start, let's just start there. <clears throat> okay, it could be that. How many of you enjoy golfing? Don't raise your hand. Just, just leave it down. I'm, just, I'm giving up on hands today, okay. Uh, how many of you, how many of you, uh, maybe it's, it's, you just like the great out of doors. You like hiking. I mean, good grief. We are in... America's outdoor playground called Chattanooga. I mean, come on. Or maybe you say, no, it's not outdoors. I just like, maybe it's movies or maybe it's books or maybe it's, you have a thing that God has given you a heart or passion for. Is there a way now that you can use that to find people that enjoy or are interested in that as well where you can inject Jesus and say, I will gather people around this common thing for the purpose of introducing them to Jesus. Do you track what I'm saying about the now? Now, here's the interesting thing. Some of you are in fantastic small groups, and you love each other. I'm going to tell you, this will take that love for each other to the next level. Because when you have a common mission and purpose, all of a sudden, you're not simply there to receive care you're there to advance something, and you need each other. i got a couple friends in this room. I won't use names in case, since I didn't ask, but I've got friends here in law enforcement. I've got friends here who are in the emergency uh, services. I have friends in here who are military. And what's funny is when I've talked to some of you all, even this past week, one of the things that comes up is like, well, why did you decide to become a policeman? Why did you decide to become a military person? Why did you decide to become a fireman? And it was never because I needed community. I was lonely, and those big, burly cops, they look like they just want to give a hug to someone. Not a one of you said that. No, you joined because you had a purpose and a passion, and you thought you could make a difference. And yet, when I ask you who are some of your closest friends, you'll say, it is the men and women that I've been in a foxhole with. Because when you're under fire together, you know you need each other and you see who really has your back. You get that community when you have that mission. Do you follow what we're talking about here? So missional communities, they begin with a noun. What is your noun? Now, once we talk about the noun, we need to talk a little bit about what does it look like to have healthy community? Because the people did not simply build, they didn't simply have a mission statement Rather, they had a clear way of doing it. In fact, if you were to go and say, well, how are you building? It was a pretty similar structure, wasn't it? You had boulders, bricks, or rocks, some form of mortar or adhering solution. You had certain tools you used. In other words, although they worked on different parts of the wall, they had some things in common. And I want to show you the three things that every healthy missional community will have in common with all the others. Number one, up. Number two, in. Number three, out. Let's walk through these. Number one, the up. Every missional community will focus on celebrating Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Focusing on Jesus. They're going to praise God together. Now, that may mean that you sing. Some of you all love to sing together, and you do it well. Others of us, let's just be honest, we, we pray for the second coming when we start hearing each other sing. And so you just kind of go, ah, we're able to sing. But did you know you can also praise God simply by sharing what God has done in your life that week? That's just as honoring. 
You're going to pray together. You will study scripture or you'll share passages that have been on your heart. You will serve each other. You'll be inwardly focused as well. Inwardly focused is not a bad thing. You know this, right? Is it a good thing to care for one another, church? Absolutely. You will have time. A healthy group will have accountability, meaning you will say, I want to grow here, and someone else will ask you, how are you doing? You'll have fun together. Anyone in here like to have fun? This is so disappointing. How about the rest of you? You like to have fun. Ah, come on. Here's the thing. You need to know this. Could you stand up a little higher over here? Go ahead, stand up a little higher. Go ahead, and then just, just raise your hand. Go ahead, stand up. I got this little friend right over here. She's bouncing with her hands raised. I wish the rest of us had that kind of love for each other. You need to have fun with each other. A small group, here's the reason. Some of you have left your small group or you were in it for six weeks and then you were gone because you said, they don't like each other. They say they do, but all they do is sit there, stare at each other and wait for the minutes to tick by. Are you playing with your group? Are you going on trips with your group? Are you doing a little day trip activity? Are you going outside? Are you staying inside together? Whatever it is, missional communities have fun together. They provide accountability, fun, and care. And number three, they also, well, they focus outward, don't they? They're making friends with unchurched people. They're serving their unchurched friends. And they're sharing Jesus with their unchurched friends. Now, here's what happens. You need all three of these because if you lose one or more or if you emphasize one over another, you do not have a missional community. You have something else entirely. If you focus primarily or exclusively on up, it's not a bad thing, but it's just a Bible study. By the way, do you think your preacher wants you to study the Bible? Yes. I'm not opposed to Bible study. But it needs to be more than just Bible. If you focus primarily or exclusively inwardly, is, by the way, is caring for one another a good thing? Absolutely. But if you only focus inwardly, you're not a missional community, you're a social club. Gather together based on what you get from it. And the third one, out. Do you think your preacher would love for you guys to share your faith with other people and care for other people and encourage other people? Absolutely. But here's the thing. If all you do is serve others, but you don't bring the salvation of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, the reality that we are sinners in need of a Savior into the conversation. And if you do not care for one another as we gather together, then all you are is a humanitarian effort. Do you see why? All three of these are vitally important, but they must be integrated together for where they overlap. That is where you will find the missional community that we see practiced throughout the book of Acts and in healthy churches throughout the centuries. All three. Now, here's a question. I want you to write this down or remember it. If you are in a missional community or a small group, ask your group at your next meeting this question. Which one do we tend to focus on the most? Which one do we tend to ignore the most? Not because you mean to, it just happens. And then ask the question, how do we need to adjust so we are healthy across the board? I love some of the missional communities in our church. Can I tell you a few of them? Some of these don't even know that they're missional communities. That's what makes it so brilliant and so amazing to me. Let me give you a couple examples of this. There's there's one group that gathers together, and their mission is the inner city. This is the Russell family and their group. 
So Ray and Marty, they say our mission is to serve the people in the inner city. And they have gathered around them other people with a similar heartbeat and focus. By the way, the Russells live closer to the inner city so they can fulfill the mission that God has placed on their heart. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Oh, okay, good. I'm glad you think so too. So that's their missional community. And they're like, oh yeah, that's a missional community. That's great. Uh, there's other missional communities. I was talking to John Albright a couple weeks ago. I love John. He comes up and he starts telling me about this ministry that he and a couple other guys are a part of where they will help people who cannot afford to get their cars fixed. And they will help people who need help, especially people who may be on the fringe of a fellowship. And I looked at him and said, John, that's awesome. I love your missional community. And he goes, yeah. Because it's he with some other people on mission, serving in a particular place to make a difference. And they love on each other in the process. There's another group that meets here on Wednesday nights, a group of ladies who love each other. And if, if, if their love for each other were measured by the number of tears that they cry with each other, they would love each other a lot. Guys, we're not that way though, are we? Just a side note. They get together and they love each other. Now, I've been told the way that group began was when one of the young women came to faith. She was baptized in Christ and she said, I want to know the Bible better. And this group began to rally around her and they studied the Bible primarily because she said, let's study scripture. And now over the course of a few years, more women are a part of that group and more unchurched people have come as well. And what do they do? They have continued the mission of helping the next person know more about Jesus Christ. Isn't that good, church? I love this. Here's what you need to know. There is an infinite number of ways that you can make a difference. When you hear the word small group, I want you to delete that from your mind because it is not about sitting in a circle with eight or ten other people. It is about what is the mission God's placed on your heart, a people group, a place, or an activity that you love and saying, I'm going to bring Jesus into that space. And then you look around and say, hey, will you come with me? Will you come with me? By the way, this is a big question that always comes up. Well, how many people should be in a missional community? Well, okay, in small group, we always thought eight to 12 adults because if you're young, you also have these things called children. And you may have eight adults, but you may have 800 children. Because we believe that verse that says you should have a full quiver of children. Right, church? Whew. And so you say, what, 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 what about that? What about that? Oh, okay, here's what you need to know. Missional communities. What size is the right size? It's the size that helps you fulfill your mission best. I'm in a missional community. I'm in a discipleship group with just a couple other guys. Why? Because that fulfills the reason for our gathering. Some of you will need a group that's not 10 people. You'll need a group that's 20, 30, or 50. And that's okay. Why? Because it will fulfill the mission that God has placed on your heart. You say, well, how do I know if we get too big? You'll know you're too big if you can't provide for your, your missional community. Or if the mission becomes secondary to something else. But otherwise... From 3 to 30 or however, you gather. We're going to help you do this. By the way, in a couple weeks, Evan is going to lead one of our discipleship trainings. And this one's going to be so fun. It is going to be missional community workshop. 
We're going to do hands-on fun stuff. If you are in an existing small group, you need to come because we're going to train you. We're going to love on you. We're going to celebrate your victories, and we're going to help you take next steps. And if you've never been in a group or you want to start one or you're just curious about it, you come, and we will help you identify your mission field, and we will help you figure out how to go. And then you say, well, well how, how do I get other people to be a part of it? We will, we will communicate in a way that others can participate and link up on common missions because we believe this is so vital to your health, your growth, and the blessing of this city. Now, a couple more things, and then I want to show you a brief video here in just a moment. But the city was rebuilt by smaller communities who claimed the part of their wall. And number three, they attached their name to their part of the wall as well. Don't, don't miss this, church. They said that part needs to be rebuilt. They claimed a part that needs to be rebuilt. But then they put their name on it and said, I will be the one to do the rebuilding. Spiritual maturity is in great part going from saying something should be done about that to saying, I, with God's help, will do something about that. See, here's the thing. I want to show you this again. When you look at it, it looks like one undivided wall. And it's because it is. It's integrated. But but this doesn't tell you the story of chapter 3, does it? Let me show you what you actually read about in chapter 3. You read about Eliashib and the priests rebuilding this one section right there. You read about the Tekoites rebuilding this one. And Zadok here. You, you read about Uziel in this little green section here, or Shalom down here, or Hanum, who's just this champ, and he knocks out this much with his helpers. You read about the priests right here, and Zadok here as well. You read about all the different people. It is not the Israelites built the walls. Individual Israelites and smaller communities of Israelites together rebuilt the walls. That's so important. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. This church is not some nameless, faceless organization. So when someone says, oh, there's a need, and the church needs to do something about it. But which which name of the church, which person in this room are you saying needs to do it? Who, who Who are you electing to go and fix the problem? See, it's not enough to simply say there is a problem We as followers of Jesus say, I will step up and I will meet that need. I will address it. I'll put my name to the work. And I know some of us, we look and we go, oh, yeah, yeah. This guy, boy, they did a lot right there, but I'm I'm just just doing this little, 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 right there. You want to know what I love about this? In the scriptures, no one gets top billing because of what they do. They're simply listed as someone who said, I'm in this. No one else may ever know what you do. But I want you to know God will never forget what you've done. And when you see him, he's going to put his arm around you and he's going to say, Atta boy, atta girl. Because you didn't simply claim there was a problem. You put your name and said, I will be part of the solution. I want to show you a brief video this morning of someone in our church who is doing just that. Lauren Bratcher is one of our members and 
about a month or so ago, she took one of those spiritual gift inventories that we've been talking about and that we taught so many of you how to go through in our Discovering Your Spiritual Gift seminar workshop. And because of what she discovered, she said, I claim that part of the wall and I'll put my name to it. And so, if you will, turn your attention to the screens. Hi, I'm Lauren Bratcher, and it's my mission to reach the next person for Jesus. My family and I used to live in Hickson, and then a couple of years ago, we decided to move to Signal Mountain. And uh, we knew we wanted to keep Clear Creek our home because it, we love it here, and it's just where we want to stay. With the busy schedule of children and their extracurricular activities, it was just really hard to make it down the mountain after a busy day at work. So I just kind of thought, like, man, we have a great neighborhood. Why can't we just maybe do a small group in our neighborhood? I sent a text to just a few families in our neighborhood, and um, of course they were very positive about it and were willing to do it and so excited. And it's just been a really great experience to get together with the people who I already see often, but this time we're getting to get into a Bible study and pray together and um just, I think it's really important too that our children are seeing that we're doing that and it's so close. We're so close to each other that we, it's just been so nice and so easy to do that. I think that, you know, right now that people would be so much more inclined to, hey, come over for dinner and let the kids play and we can talk about Jesus a little bit rather than, you know, come to my church, which is 30 minutes away. And I think it's just so much more comfortable for people to um, just come to your home. People feel more comfortable. It's a blessing to do um, have a small group in my neighborhood because um, we are, I already spend a lot of time with these people that are in our small group anyways. My children are playing at, at their house. Their kids are playing at my house. We see each other as we take walks every day. And so it really is truly a blessing because we're getting to um, get to know each other on a deeper level, a more spiritual level. And, um, you know, if I see one of my neighbors that we prayed for that previous week, I can feel like, hey, how's your mom? Is she doing better? Do we still, you know, I've been praying for her. And it's just really neat to get to see those prayer requests that you prayed, prayed on Wednesday night. You see them, you know, a week later and and they the prayers have been answered. Or, um, you know, if they have a need, I'm right down the street. So they can knock on my door and they can say, hey, Lauren, I really need you to pray for um, my friend or, you know, my family member. And so it's just really nice that we get to kind of see all that uh, in action and it just I feel like we just get to know each other on a whole deeper level than just being next door neighbors who wave at each other across the street. I really feel that it is God has put me in this neighborhood at this time um, for a purpose and and I would like to think that that my purpose is that hopefully I'm reaching these just these small families right now and then hopefully, Um, Maybe when the other people in our neighborhood see what we're doing and we get a little better at this, then, you know, we can invite a few more people and then a few more people. And I just really feel like um, I was put on my street for a reason. Um, And hopefully it's to bring more people closer to Jesus and strengthen my relationship with him too. Isn't that good stuff, church? So here's what I want to ask you to do. Go ahead and grab your two cards that are on your seat. On one side, and every week we're going to give you a new card. On one side, it has our prayer focus for the week. This week, it is to pray for our families and, like Lauren, our neighborhoods. I want you to consider what is a need or a person within that sphere of influence, your family unit, 
someone who does not know Christ, or your neighborhood, someone that needs to know Christ. And then there's also down at the bottom, there's a little place there because every week we're going to have also an off-site prayer time once that week. This week it's on Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. outside the Northgate Mall, right there across from the TJ Maxx. We'll find a spot to pray and circle up at 11.30 a.m. And we're going to focus on praying this week for the Hickson and Saudi Daisy areas. Next week we'll be in a different part of town praying for that area. And so I'm going to invite you to be a part of that. But for today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You don't, I'm not asking you to start a group today. Although if you want to, you let us know. I'm not asking you to join a group today. Although if you're interested, you let us know. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Flip over your card. I'm simply asking you to write down the name of one person that you'd like to see in heaven with you one day. If you've got three or four, go ahead. But, but just one. Can you, can you put down at least just one name of someone that you'd like to see meet Jesus Christ? And I'm going to ask you to put it down on both. You say, Josh, why do I have two? Well, the answer is we want you to take one home with you and pray for it as often as you think to this week. The other one, though, we're going to ask you to fill out. And out in our lobby, we have two black walls, and our goal is to fill those up. And if we need to build another one, we will. We're building walls of prayer for people in our city over this next month. Every week, I'm going to ask you to pray for one more person. And here's your first one. Can you today write down the name of one person that you want to pray for? We're going to give you a couple minutes to consider that as we pray and as we sing a song together here. And I just want to remind you of something. Everything we're talking about here is because we believe Jesus is the greatest gift ever. That's it. There's nothing beyond what we're talking about. It's because Jesus is worthy. Because eternity is much too long, heaven is too great, hell is too hot, and the human soul is too precious to God for us to mess around with our lives on lesser things. So as we talk, as we think, as we pray, would you invite the work of God in the life of this person, and would you ask God, Lord, may I be, may I be the one to claim that person or that place, not because I can do it, but through you, and in you and from you, maybe, just maybe, I'll see this part of the city restored.